Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Well, good morning, church. Well, those of you in the room, help me welcome those who are watching, joining us through Church Online. We are glad that you're here. My name is Matt. Uh, I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here, and you Picked a good time to come to Vintage, man. I know I've said that every week, but this series is the most important series that we do all year because it's when we as a church gather back around our mission. And in case you're new to Vintage, when, we, when you hear the word mission, it equals why. Our mission is our why. When we say mission, we're talking about why we exist as a church. So if anybody ever asks you, why does Vintage Church exist? You can answer them very easily, and it's with this statement. Venice Church exists to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. That's why we're here. It's not complicated. It's not a paragraph. It's really easy to memorize. It's not just something that we write on the wall in the lobby because we think it's cool. We exist to inspire people to live in love like Jesus, and we didn't make that up. There was this guy named Jesus that was the only son of God, fully human, fully divine, came here to die for all of our sins, to die so that we could have life and to also show us how to live. And before he ascended from this planet into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father where he's preparing a place that'll make all this junk we're dealing with worth it one day, come on somebody. Somebody wanted to clap and you're like, I don't know if I should. I don't. Before he left, he looked at those ragtag group of guys that would be the first to follow him, and he gave them that mission. Now, he said it a little bit different. He said, now go into all the world, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. But essentially what he was saying is go. Go inspire people to live and love the way that you have seen me live and love, and that is our why. And the reason why we recenter around it every single year is because of all organizations, organisms, whatever in the earth, the church cannot afford to drift from its why. Because eternity hangs in the balance. Whether or not the church gets it right is, the, is shaping where people will spend all of eternity. Come on, somebody. And so we have to get this right. And so we center around this, this mission of why. And in this version of Live Love, we've taken a lot of time to, to solidify that, to remind that, because the why is most important. That mission is primary. Why we exist is primary. And God was very clear about why we exist, but in his sovereignty, he left us room to figure out how. Every church has the same why. Every church, whether it meets in what used to be a Lowe's Foods, or whether it's in the most beautiful cathedral in the world. We all have the same why. But he left us room to figure out how. We all have the same mission, but we all have to find our unique individual vision for this, for, from church to church. Where mission equals what, why? Mission equals vision equals how. Because see, it's not just to know, enough to know why we exist. We gotta figure out, right, how are we gonna do this? How are we going to accomplish this mission? 
What in the world are we going to do to inspire people to live and love like Jesus? And see, the God that we served knew that what it would take to inspire people to live and love like Jesus in Randleman in 2020 would be different than what it looked like in first century Israel. (laughs) And what it looked like in Randleman in 1954. He knew that the expression of church would need to evolve. You know what he also knew? He also knew that it would take different expressions of church to reach different people. That's why it's okay that there are different churches. That's okay why churches this morning all over the world are doing something in a room that looks different than ours and even the moving parts in it are different from the, Y'all know that's okay, right? That there is no one way to do church. And God did that on purpose because you know what? There's a church down the street that does it very different than us. They don't do it better than us. We don't do it better than them. And they're reaching people that we would never reach. And as a church, we celebrate that because we're all on the same team. So when this thing began, and God made it very clear, reminding us of why we exist, we spent a lot of time praying about that vision. Because we knew, as I said last week, that the vision must align with the beliefs and reflect a set of values. Like, this is really important. Our how, how we go about accomplishing our mission, it must align with the beliefs. The church never has permission to compromise Scripture. We never have permission to compromise scripture. This will, by any means necessary, if it, we can never do anything that compromises the absolute truths that are essential for us all. So we unpacked that a couple weeks ago. But it's not just that. We have to have a vision that also reflects a set of values, a set of priorities, because that protects the church from being hijacked by the wrong things. You ever been a church that's been hijacked? by the people in it, and it was more driven by their preferences than biblical priorities. And if anything we've learned in this season is like everybody has an opinion about everything. We talked about last, I mean, and everybody's an expert on everything. We got teachers, doctors, pastors, all over the place. And one of the things we also learned, it's hard to please everybody. can 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 I give you some good news? You don't have to please everybody. Whew, just release it right there. Because you know what I've discovered? When pleasing people becomes priority, pleasing God isn't possible. When pleasing people is priority, pleasing God isn't possible. When your mission is to please everybody, you will be like a dog chasing his tail. You'll just wear yourself out, never catching a thing. And so as a church, we lean in to these values that we unpacked last week of inspirational leadership and innovative environments and an integrated community and intentional relationships and whatever we do as a church has to reflect that those things are important to us. And that's the guardrails for staying on the path of the right how as we attempt to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. And several years ago, we decided that there would be four things that we would attempt to do as a church. That's right, just four. Because some of us grew up in churches that did 50. The church has always been really good at doing a lot of things very poorly instead of very few things really well. That we we aren't a church of unlimited resources. We have a certain amount of energy and time and resources and we would rather do a few things really well than a lot of things poorly. 
And so there's four things that we decided that we are gonna do as a church, and we deeply believe that if we can do these four things and get people to engage in all four, then the result will be we will inspire people to live and love like Jesus. And now not a single one of these things is more important than the other because in the church we're also good about like creating these things in like some kind of hierarchy as if one is more important than others. No, like everything that we do in these four things is equally important and if we can get you, me, all of us to engage in these four things, the byproduct will be we will live in love like Jesus. It's so funny, I have people ask me all the time, what y'all do for discipleship? Everything, we're the church. So everything we do is to produce somebody who is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So everything we, everything we do is discipleship and everything we do is evangelism. I don't know why we try to parse these things out and silo them into different things. We do four things. And over the next few weeks, I'm gonna kind of unpack those four things as to why we do them and how we do them and why they're important to us. And the first one is we wanna create an experience where people can gather in one space, authentically worship God and learn the truth of his word. We wanna create an experience that allows people to gather in one space. And even that part of our vision has evolved because that line used to say where people can gather under one roof. But we've learned in this season that we can't always gather under one roof, can we? but we gather in one space, whether it be physically in a room or together online, and we authentically worship God. Authentically worship God. Not just going through the motions, whatever that looks like for you, that you can authentically worship God screaming and dancing, or you can authentically worship God standing still and just quiet and soaking it all in. And learn the truth of his word. We call it the gathering. The gathering. And it's what we do every single weekend together. And there has always been a place for the gathering of God's people. The gathering of God's people, the, the collective gathering of those who claim to know and follow God has always been a part of what God desired for us. Walk all the way through the scriptures. There has always been a place for the gathering. And I know we live in this season right now where because of the season we're in even more so, we're kind of devaluing the gathering. And that's been my biggest fear about this season is somehow in this season where we haven't been able to come to church and for so long, how, however many months it was, where we were just all in our separate places, that we would somehow forget the value importance of coming together collectively as the body. It's been a needed and necessary part of following God from the very beginning. I mean, you go all the way back to, to Moses. When he was leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, they had this thing called the tabernacle. It was this place of meeting that they would erect wherever they were as they moved. It was the first portable church. We felt that pain for several years as we set up and tore down to the middle school for all those years. But literally, wherever they were, they would build this thing called the tabernacle, which would eventually evolve as you move forward in their history to this thing called the temple. And man, the temple was this elaborate, ornate place of worship. 
I did some reading this week of people trying to put a value on if we were to build the, the temple today, Solomon's temple today, how much would it cost? And I don't even think we could ever even, it would be trillions of dollars when you read all the things that it involved and gold laden and all this stuff. And now there came a moment when Jesus entered the world and somehow we think that because he drastically changed things that the gathering was no longer needed. But even if you watch Jesus' ministry, notice how many times he goes up on a mountainside and he, he sits down in this place and the crowds are gathered around him and he begins to teach. He leveraged these moments of huge crowds because he knew in those gatherings was his greatest chance to influence the most amount of people at one time. And he took advantage of them. But he, he did bring about a pretty significant change. See, throughout the tabernacle and even in through the years of the temple, their worship was very centered on a place. And Jesus would have a conversation with the woman at the well. You remember that? We looked at that several weeks ago as we walked through the Gospel of John together. Because see, the people that Jesus has been associated with his whole life and the people that the Samaritan woman had been associated with her whole life had two opposing thoughts about where we were supposed to worship. And in that conversation, Jesus would give us insight into how he was gonna completely shift this whole concept of worship. Go to John chapter four. Pick up with verse 19. John chapter four, verse 19. Sir, the woman said... I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must, where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. See, up until this moment, they always had tethered their thoughts on worship to a specific place. In Jesus' day, it was the temple, and this temple was very ornate, and there was this place within the temple called the Holy of Holies. If you're with me, say amen. It was the place that represented like the full saturation of God's presence. And what Jesus is saying is, I know in our whole lives, and for generation to generation, we've always tethered our idea of worship to a place. But a time is coming and actually has now come when I'm going to detach worship from a singular place. And instead of worship being centered around a place, it will be centered around a person, and it's me. That Jesus was saying, I know that we get caught up in where we worship, but who we worship is what's gonna matter most. And yeah, I'm not doing away with the gathering, but where we gather isn't what matters. It's the name under which we gather that's most important. That when people gather, it doesn't matter the place. When people gather under the umbrella and the banner of Jesus, when collectively we come together under his name, powerful things can happen. Come on, somebody. Powerful things can happen. And it doesn't matter if it's in a middle school or in old Lowe's Foods, 
or a beautiful church with stained glass windows and a steeple that reaches to the footsteps of heaven or if it's in a home just surrounded by your family where two or three are gathered with the purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus, he meets with us and powerful things happen. And Jesus, in saying that, he wasn't saying that like it, it's no longer important that we gather. He was saying it's where we gather doesn't matter. He wasn't saying give up coming together collectively as the body of Christ. He was saying, but you're going to come together, again, not in a place, but under the name of a person. And it might be on a hillside or it might be in a sanctuary. But when you gather for the purpose of lifting up my name, powerful things would happen. And as the church is born in Acts, this continues to be the case. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. These new believers, this new formed church following the day of Pentecost and the boom in those who were followed Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you catch that? It says every day that they would collectively go into the temple courts together and worship. And then even outside of that, they would go into each other's homes and they would eat. And even throughout... You know, you know why we started worshiping on Sunday? It wasn't because Jesus told us we had to. It, even, can, I get, can I shock you? Even the day doesn't matter. Even the day doesn't matter. We started worshiping on Sunday because that was the day in which Jesus rose from the dead. And the early church would gather on Sunday to remember and celebrate the fact that Jesus had defeated death. That's why we started worshiping on Sunday. Like the place didn't matter, but the gathering did. That out there, the world is crazy. And in here, we get to gather as a body, all of us trying to figure out this thing called life, trying to somehow find consistency in walking and living out our love for Jesus. And we need to come together to be encouraged and inspired and challenged and renewed and refreshed. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Somebody say amen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer of Hebrews says we need to come together, not give up meeting together because we need this time where we gather together. Jesus made it clear that he wasn't trying to erase the concept of the gathering. He's just saying now we had the freedom because the veil has been torn and the spirit has been unleashed and Jesus can meet with all of us no matter where we are. Do you ever thought about that right now all over the world? 
Even right now, at this very moment, all across our county, there are people meeting in different rooms but worshiping the same God. And he's just as much with them as he is with us. Woo! That there's something beautiful and powerful and special about that. But the coolest thing about our God is not only did he say it's not about the place, he didn't even give us a lot of detail on the parts. Now he didn't, I've read the Bible a lot, and I've never seen where it says I have to sit in a pew, and I can't sit in a chair. I don't see a single place where it tells me that I have to have an organ, that maybe I could have some drums. And now let me just say, what happens in this room is not done because we think this is better than anybody else. There is no one way to do this. There is no one right way to do this. That God can move and work and leverage a gathering that has a beautiful pipe organ and a choir just as much as he does an electric guitar and some drums. But what happens in this room is not because we think this is the only way to do it, but because God has sent us people to give legs to the vision that we have. What flows from this platform comes out of the hearts of the people that I believe God has positioned to lead it and together with our staff design it. And you don't get enough opportunities to hear their heart. So I sat down this week with Christian Hahn and Dustin Lohr, our worship pastor and our production director, the two men who put legs to this vision. And I want you to hear just a clip from what was a conversation that lasted a couple hours. So turn your attention to the screens and hear the heart of your pastors. Well, we're finally at the point in our Live Love series where we're moving into vision. And vision to have legs requires leadership. And so I'm gonna sit down with all of our leaders and you guys get to be first. Because awesome. it's, it's your leadership that gives legs to the experience piece of our vision. And it's your leadership and the way that you've leveraged the gifts that God has given you guys that make what we do here on Sunday mornings so unique and so special and so powerful. And so really this whole conversation is designed for our church to have an opportunity to hear your heart a little bit. Uh, because I don't think people understand all the passion and thought that goes into what you guys do to help create this experience. And man, it's even been more needed, necessary in the season that we've been in. But one of the things that I think before people start hearing your philosophy behind ministry, I think it's cool that they somewhat get to know you. And we don't have a ton of time, but I can't help but sit here and, and think about both of you before you sat in the seats that you're in. How old were you when you started coming to Vintage? I think you actually said it Sunday. I think I was in the 11th grade. The 11th grade. I think it was 2000, 2013, I think is when I started coming here. So that was seven years ago, and I'm 25 now. So yeah, I was 18. No, I was younger than that. Probably 16 or 17, probably, yeah. when I started coming here. So yeah. So you started coming when we were at the middle school. Correct, yeah. It was actually one of the, one of the first few Sundays at the middle school. And yeah. so I got the... I got to come in right when setup was on the rise. 
And you also, before you ever were on staff, you started attending our church. When did you start coming? Yeah, that was 2009 and played drums. So, yeah, yeah so uh, started coming in December of 2009, started playing drums, and fast forward years later and on staff. Yeah. So, so first off, talk about just the power of music and the place of worship in the gathering and, and why, why it's so important to you and why, why there's such passion there and even kind of somewhat of a window into uh, how we go about approaching our gatherings from a, a worship through music kind of standpoint. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, something that you always say, actually, is um, how we do church it's gonna always change, you know, but why we do what we do has never changed. So from the birth of Vintage Church, why we do the things we do has never changed. Um, And I think that when you view it through that lens and that perspective, you're always looking for new and creative ways to like express our worship to God. And so we're all the time trying to think of ways to make what we're doing better. And it's not that we're not content with the way things are going, because we love what we do, and everybody here does such a great job. Um, But we're always trying to push the envelope on giving God our best, and we think we're just getting started in like him opening up all sorts of creativity. And so we just have to kind of tap into it. But first and foremost, though, I would say that like, our goal is to give people an authentic encounter with Jesus. And the world is such a crazy place as it is. Um, and so when people come into this place, we don't expect anybody to come into this room perfect or having all of their stuff together. We don't have all of our stuff together sometimes. Um, but first and foremost is to show people the redemption and the love of Christ. And if we're doing that every single weekend, then we've hit the nail on the head. Everything in here works cohesively together, and it's not just us up here and you guys out there. We're constantly teaching and trying to take somebody somewhere in this room every single weekend, and the sermon and the music and the production all are supposed to cohesively work together. So Dustin, from like a production standpoint, What's, what's in your heart and mind as you're thinking about knowing that that's the goal in mind? How do you approach? This is, this is a unique realm for a lot of people in the mm-hmm. church, and most people come to our church aren't used to, to this kind of thing. Right. But t- why, why, why are you passionate about leveraging this stuff to get people into a space to worship God? Yeah, um, and I think Christian said it at the end. We don't want this stage or what's happening on this stage to be a barrier with what's like, People come in with a lot, and my goal from a production standpoint, like all of these are just tools, and I know we say that a lot, and I don't want it to become like this cliche saying like in the church, um, and we do not need all these things, but we believe we can use them to reach people, um, and that's what we do. We want to be creative in the church, and I think you said it, something about redeeming these lights, and they could be at a Marilyn Manson concert. Like I, Maybe this is a soapbox, but I can't stand that um, the mentality in the church world is it doesn't have to be excellent. Um, and so I believe through my creativity that the Lord has given me uh, that we can, we can use this stuff to reach people and it'd be better than a Beyonce concert or 
yeah. you know what I'm saying? So um, that's my heart for what we do, and I'm very passionate about it and love making what we do better Yeah. for the kingdom. Yeah. So. I think, you know, there's this concept of, like, our goal isn't to be cool, right. but at the same time, you know, we live in a culture where everything is competing for people's attention, and there's so much out there to draw people's eyes that I think we have a responsibility to try to do something that will cause people to take notice, yeah. right? And, and whether we like it or not, we have to stay relevant in today's culture. There are so many things fighting for attention, and we believe we have the greatest message to be told. And so we have to get creative on what we do and use creative technology to reach those people because there's a gajillion other things fighting for that. Yeah. So That's good. Yeah. And maybe you can kind of unpack this a little bit. It's trying to let something happen on this platform that causes even the most hard heart to say, what is that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I want that light to hit that person on the very back row who walked in and had a terrible week. But that light can draw them into what's happening on the stage and what, you know, what's being sung, what you're preaching. Um, and that's kind of my philosophy behind it. Like I, I want it to not stay right here. The idea is that it spills over into, you know, even online. That's good. Um, and then also, too, like music in itself, and maybe this is just opinion, but to me, music is not only meant to be heard but also felt. And so especially in a live setting, like we do want you to feel the music and we want it to, we want it to shake your shirt. We want you to, we want you to feel it in your bones and uh, something really beautiful happens uh, when the two of those things combined, you know, and, um, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing like looking out and finding somebody that you've never seen before on a Sunday uh, that maybe on the first song was kind of gripping their chair and then towards the end after the sermon, mm. um, they're weeping and they've grabbed their wife's hand. Like that's, that's a win. And, um, and I'm even guilty of this. Um, all of us up here on the platform, sometimes you can't see some of the things that are happening in the room. And everybody worships in their own way, you know. Um, but I've, I've tried to tell my team and, and to encourage them, like, make eye contact with people because God truly is working. It may, it may not look like it because maybe they're not lifting their hands, but if you really look at somebody, um, you can connect with what they're feeling and God's moving. And so really cool things happen in a live environment. And online, like, we're still trying to figure all that out and trying to figure out, like, we want you to feel the presence of God through these cameras and into your homes, and how can we do that and that be more effective? But at the end of the day, um, it's all about pursuing the presence. So, We have always approached our worship gatherings that each week we're trying to take people to a place they need to go, that there is a singular destination, and that destination is some truth that God wants us to lean into that will change our lives. And that doesn't start when somebody steps up here to start preaching. It starts from the moment they walk in the door. And I'm grateful for what you guys create to make that happen. And we could be here for hours unpacking all the things that go into how you approach this. But thanks for giving us a window into your heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Love you both. Love you, man. Love you, dude.
So what happens in this room is the result of a lot of preparation that's filtered through the personalities of the leaders that God has given us. And that's how it's authentic. Because authenticity gets lost when you squelch people's personalities. And we've allowed our leaders just to lead under the umbrella of the mission, filtered through the values, and it produces what you see here. But the reality is, what you walk away from here with every weekend has nothing to do with our preparation, but has everything to do with your posture. It's not about the place, and yes, we gather under the name of a singular person, and yes, we put a lot of preparation into what happens here, but it doesn't matter if your posture isn't proper. Your openness to what God wants to do in you in this space is what's going to determine whether or not when we gather, you leave any different. That, if you go back into that verse in Hebrews chapter 10, where we're encouraged to gather, he also says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, look at verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Did you catch that? Like we have to draw near with a sincere heart. Otherwise, we'll do what Jesus accused the people of his day of doing in Mark chapter 6. When he said, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That it's not, no, it's not about this place. And, and even all the parts are really insignificant. No matter how much preparation that we put in, it's your posture that will determine whether or not when we gather, you leave changed. Every time we gather, God is here. Every time. And he wants to do something in your life. And there's value in intentionally taking time to move into a space where you give God your undivided attention. And when your attention is undivided, his presence is undeterred. And where truth is declared, freedom is discovered. And when worship is unleashed, worry gets released. That's what can happen in the gathering. That's what can happen in the gathering. And in this season, I've struggled with how we have to do this a lot more than you have. And even as much as I value online church and I'm grateful for the people that we're reaching who are so far away, they will never be able to maybe come into this building or who for just health and safety reasons just aren't ready to come back, there is nothing like being in a room full of people whose hearts are completely centered on God and unleashing worship without worry. There's something beautiful about the collective voice of God falling on his people, and then returning that with worship. Those moments when the congregation becomes the choir. See, I don't just value the gathering because Scripture tells me I should. I value the gathering because my whole life, I've benefited from it. I've had those moments, you know, when you're in the people of God, and it's different. Yeah, you can experience God anywhere, but there is nothing like coming together and worshiping God. Having those moments when the hair on your neck starts standing up. 
Come on. Over the last few weeks, our production teams, broadcast teams, have been combing through the footage from last year's EP release. When this room was full of people, before social distancing was even a phrase any of us knew, and over a thousand people were packed into this room, worshiping their hearts out. And last week, I caught the sound of the crowd mics from that night. It's just the audio, not from the band, but from the crowd mics, picking up the collective voice of God's people crying out in praise. And I just wanted to remind you of what that's like so that you don't forget and lose sight of the importance of the gathering. Watch this. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.